Welcome to Tea Smack, home of the Tea Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, comics, and much, much more. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week, as always, is my co-host, Alex. Alex, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. We're finally out of the frigid cold, and we're apparently in spring, because it's there's snow <laughs> on the ground, it's 39 and raining constantly. <laughs> we're supposed to get into the 50s by next weekend. It's insane, but you know we're going to get that one like pre-Easter blizzard that always happens. Oh, yeah. We'll get like four to 12 inches of snow. Kids will get snow days as they're getting ready to get into their last like eight weeks of school. And then they'll have 10 weeks of school because of all the cancellations that have happened. (laughs) Exactly. We just got to repeat the meme that's been going around about being living in the Midwest. We don't have hurricanes. (laughs) We don't have earthquakes. We don't have alligators. (laughs) We're planning a Disneyland trip out to California and like. I've got the Disney bubble brain going of like, oh, it's going to be so great. We're going to be able to do all this stuff. You and I talked about like the planning stage stuff where like people enjoy the planning before going to the place. And then all of a sudden they're like, this is horrible. Why am I here? Why are there people? This isn't what I imagined. (laughs) But like I I had I don't have those kind of expectations like I. I, I'm dealing with kids who are going to be at the time 10, 8 and 4 or 10, 6. No, yeah, 10, 8 and 4. So mm-hmm. like I have no expectations other than let them do what they want and enjoy the <laughs> moment. Like that is my expectation. But as I'm dreaming about this Disneyland pl- uh, trip that we're planning in a couple of years, I realized, oh, we're shit. We're going to California. It, it might rain, but probably not. It's California. It might be a little cooler, but probably no different than what we're used to anyway around that time of the year that we're going. Mm-hmm. But what if there's an earthquake? Because they just had a big earthquake. <laughs> and I'm like, uh oh. Um, I don't know how my kids would react to an earthquake. Don't forget, if there is an earthquake that happens while you're there, you can just calm yourself and you'll know that if it was involved the San Andreas fault at all, Paul Giamatti's looking into it and the rock <laughs> is going to come on a helicopter and save you. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm one of the few he saves because doesn't he only save like three people in that movie? <laughs> Pretty much his, his, his immediate family. <laughs> his immediate, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, unless something strange happens where the rock adopts me or something, I don't think that's going to happen. But I will gladly call him Daddy Rock. He he finally has the trademark for that back from the the WWE. About damn time too. <laughs> well, uh, this week we are here to talk about ISS and Lift. Somewhat new releases based on the the time this episode will be going out. We have the ad, but we're going to do the old school split split skis here. So we're going to talk about Again. the first subject. And then we're going to do the break and then we'll come back and talk about the last subject. And uh, we have some letters from people, some lovely letters. Oh. And we want to make sure we, we give them shout outs as well. Alex, since we have a dual topic here, uh, mm-hmm. I'll let you choose one or two. All right. We're going to talk about ISS. Let's get going. <laughs> so the plan was I was going to you and I were going to go see ISS together or at least at like yeah. the same time ish where you'd go to the theater closer to you or more convenient for you. And I would do the mm-hmm. same, but you just couldn't make it. And I was really intrigued by this movie. The trailer looked interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it, at the worst case scenario, this is probably an OK movie. Yeah, I, I was amused by the premise because 
it seems somewhat timely. You know, there's some tensions throughout the world and, you know, the ISS, the International Space Station's up there. We have multiple uh we have multiple groups of people in there you know we have we have we have russians and um we have normally it's russians and americans but sometimes there's uh, like the japanese are up there sometimes chinese and sometimes uh, i think greek ast- astronomers occasion uh astronomers ast- astronauts occasionally so it, it's a nice kind of it's a nice mixture and yeah if they're up there and nuclear war breaks out what do they do what are the protocols you know, are, are they? Uh, there's so many directions it could take. Are they lost in space, kind of thing? Or do they run out of supplies? Is it kind of like a three, five year th- jump where there are, you know, there's tensions, but then then they're banding together. You know, is there some kind of mutiny? You know, do do they accidentally kill somebody and then there's a peace accord, or does it turn out like something like maybe they actually have the Americans go, yeah, when this thing got put together, we secretly put a nuke up here just for this kind of thing. So we can strike back. <laughs> you know, there's a thousand directions that could go with this kind of premise intention. But unfortunately that day it was, there was a bit of an ice storm and I literally couldn't make it out of my cul-de-sac. So the timing didn't work out. So I am very excited to hear what you thought of it, Mr. I don't do horror. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should say that because the trailers ahead of this is like, oh, okay. I, I was expecting kind of like a an espionage kind of thriller. Like I, I can do those sort of movies. I can't do horror. And the trailers leading up to it, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Th- that these seem to be kind of in line with what I'm thinking this could be. And the worst case scenario, this is like the thing without the monster or the creature feature, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And in a best case scenario, it's going to be really boring. And Alex. Uh-oh. I'm going to ask you to review this movie for me. So you've seen the trailer. Tell mm-hmm. me what you think happens in the movie. Okay. So my assumption of what happens in the movie is it starts off with 10 to 15 minutes of that. They're hanging up there. Everything's kind of chilling. You know, you're getting to know everybody. Maybe they have like a shuttle, a shuttle exchange where, you know, some, some astronauts come in, some astronauts come out, uh, the new crews up there. And then I'm guessing, Within 24 to 40 hours of the new set of crew up there, they see the the world break out into chaos. Um, let me see. They're panicking for the next 10 to 20 minutes. They start taking sides. Maybe one of them gets a message from their side saying take over. Maybe both sides get a message from from uh, from either side saying, hey, you got to take control of this. We need to uh, we need to own the ISS because of reasons. Maybe they're the last satellite that's left up there or something like that. And I'm going to guess mutiny happens be- between the two of them, some kind of fighting, one or two people die. And at the last minute, it is, this is just spitballing wild, wild. Yep, no, that's that's exactly what I'm going for. What, what do you think the most broadly generic version of this movie could be? Okay, so there's two endings I have in mind that I think it could be. It could be either if this is a low budget, like experimental film, the ending is it was all a war game and they're left with the horror that the world is at peace and they turned on each other and they could do some kind of like pact of we're never going to talk about this. The other one is depending on who funded it. Of course, the Russians end up being the bad guys and USA, USA, we took over the ISS. The former would have been much more interesting. <laughs> the latter surprisingly was not the ending. It wasn't. So okay. we're going full spoilers here with ISS. Um, full breakdown. You, you nailed the, the opening. It's um, <laughs> our, 
Ariana DeBose and um, the wild card uh, U.S. astronauts coming up to the space station. Of course, the wild card has kids that we find out I'm from a a divorced family and my kids are not really happy with me, but I love my kids and blah, blah, blah. And Ariana DeBose is just very melancholy. She's just like, I'm in space. This is kind of cool, but I'm very flat about everything because reasons. Right. She gets up there. We find out that there's this tradition that the Russians have of three knocks. Everything is okay. You can trust us. And you see the three Russians. You have the leader, you have the girl, and you have the wild card. That's both sides. The leader, the girl, (laughs) and the wild card. Wow. (laughs) They're perfectly mirrored. Mm -hmm. And uh, the leader from the U.S. team loves the Russians. They're besties. He's even banging the girl. Oh, okay. They're they're just loving life. And wait, there's this there's SpaceX. Yeah. Well, I mean, not in the movie, but it's implied. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So they they introduce Ariana DeBose to to the rest of the crew and let her get settled in, see her station, and kind of get acclimated to zero gravity. And you nailed it. Within 24 hours, they wake up the next morning. They take her to like the the Hubble window where you just you Mm -hmm. you have a 360 view of the Earth and Ariana DeBose is just not impressed. She's just like, yeah, no, I've seen pictures and they're like, oh man, you're so, you're so lame. You, some people <laughs> have like this life changing experience where there's no borders and there's no, there's no nothing. It's just the earth and we're one mm-hmm. people and it's beautiful, but you're so stupid and boring and awful. Oh my God. Of course. Yeah. And so they go about their day. And uh, Ariana Bose kind of goes back in because she's like, no, I'm I'm one of the I'm one of the crew. I can do this. I can have that feeling. And then she sees the first nuclear explosion go off and <laughs> she's like, um, I think there's a lens flare. Like what? Something's going on. Like there, there has to be like a solar flare and Ori- an Aurora Borealis happening. It's weird. And then there's like 17 more that just happen. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. they, they try to get in contact with their respective space state or their respective crews on earth. And they get the, the notice take ISS by any means necessary. Of course. Yes. Yep. All right. Yep. Yep. Because they're unsure of what's happening. They don't tell the other side, which Leo Allen, I, I think like nailed the, the real world premise of this, which is like, it's a bunch of scientists and people who have the idea of humankind and betterment yeah. on the space station. So they would just be like, let them hash it out, whatever. In a in a real world setting. Apollo 13 did it so well that yeah, they're constantly being monitored, they're constantly being talked to by the ground. Their days are scheduled. Everything about what they're doing is for the betterment of society, and they're constantly being uh being watched and sched and their day is planned out to like every five to ten minutes, they have to be they're doing something. Either you're supposed to be on the treadmill doing this, you're supposed to be checking on this, you're supposed to be cleaning this. Some of the interviews that I've recently seen astronauts of like why are you guys still doing this like well we're still doing experiments we're still trying to discover stuff yes we because i think this one's the this current international space station is supposed to be decommissioned in like 2032 and we're supposed to be building and they're supposed to be building a new one soon because you know got to replace it but you really don't have any time to sit and like go like hmm i wonder if i hate the other people here <laughs> because you are just <laughs> constantly in motion and working with each other uh one of the things that i found amusing is that since the different crews bring up you know food of you know from their own cultures that you get bored of it 
so you start swapping foods with the others because mm-hmm. you know like you know the other the other people are like yeah i've eaten this for the same thing for 16 days in a row now it's so bland and tasteless to me they're like well this is amazing and they're like well so is yours <laughs> you know so there's a lot of exchanging and there's excitement because when a new crew comes up there they're bringing new stuff new experiments new supplies new thing you know so i don't yeah i don't really think that even if they got the Listen, we sent a shiv in this newest thing. <laughs> so if you go over there, shank, shank. I, I don't see them turning on each other right away. And they, they don't, to the movie's credit. There's oh, uh, okay. a lot of speculation and like suspicion. And I don't I don't think the movie does a great job of building the suspense towards what's happening. It's pretty surface level because um, at some point, the leader of the Russian team is like, OK, I am all for Mother Russia. So please don't sound clip that for bad reasons. <laughs> um, the the leader from the Russian team is just like gung ho for I've got these orders. I got to do them. So he lures out the American leader and they flail him off the the ISS using a, a robotic arm that they use for like attaching extra pieces. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, in in context, but the movie just doesn't have time to let us live in the horror of this guy kind of being shoot poo pooed off the the ISS by a robotic arm being controlled by Russians. Because the rule is, if you don't see a body, if you don't see like horrific murder in these kind of movies, they're not dead. Yeah, of course. So not. like you just see him kind of get poo pooed, and he he kind of floats away doing little somersaults, and then the movie just kind of cuts back, and the Russians are very like upset at what they had to do because they, they just, they think they just killed their friend. Right. That kind of kicks off the series of events of like more mistrust. And, uh, the, the Russian woman who was banging the American leader, she tries to create an alliance because obviously she's in love with the American guy. So like her two, what's the word comrades have killed her, the love of her life essentially, or at least the love that she has at the moment. So she goes to the remaining two, the wild card and the woman, uh, Ariana DeBose. And um, mm-hmm. and I, I just have to say before he uh, he the American leader gets poo pooed off uh, the, sh- the space station, he and Ariana DeBose are like talking because he's doing a, an EVA walk and uh, he's trying to stay calm. So they're just having a conversation. And Ariana DeBose is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so sullen and sad all the time because my fiance <laughs> cheated on me. And. So I went to space. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the the American leader goes, oh, how long were you engaged to him? And she goes, oh, wasn't a him. Oh, and that's 2012 that's, called. That's the end of it. <laughs> that is all there is. They just need right. to say, hey, her character is at the very least bisexual, if not lesbian, which fine. Yeah. But maybe do something with that. Like, this is the kind of shit that gets people upset about. Mm inclusion missions because like oh people are gonna get pissed at us if we don't say someone is gay so we have to make sure we have an explicit moment where someone's like i'm gay even though we don't necessarily have to show it because there's no there's no time in this movie to show it we just have to say it yeah like queer baiting like that i think is just disingenuous and it serves no purpose to the story because everyone's has any anyone who has been cheated on knows that feeling you don't have to go any further into it and just saying like oh yeah she was engaged to another woman does nothing like unless you're going to go into like stereotypical russian bigotry from that moment 
it serves no purpose other than it's like the new Bechtel test or an additional Bechtel test where like, Oh, was there, was there a gay character? Okay. Check. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to skip ahead to the end because there's a whole bunch of nonsense that happens. Uh, the American wild card knocks out the, uh, Russian woman, uh, basically kills her, bashes her brains in while there's a standoff going on. (laughs) The American leader comes back in, finds out that she's been killed and goes and kills the the Russian leader. (laughs) And there's like supposed to be the symbolic moment where the Russian, the American leader got killed. I thought he was thrown off. No, they found him and, uh, the the Russian wild card brought him back in with the arm that shushooed him off initially. He like grabbed onto a solar panel and then they brought him back in by fishing him off the the solar panels. Oh, okay. Because like I said, if there's not like a horrific on screen death, they're fine. They're coming back in some fashion. So they they bring him back in and he has a standoff with the Russian leader and they end up killing each other. But they do it in an embrace. Oh, and it's supposed Either to be kiss. symbolic of something, but I don't get what this movie's trying to tell me, honestly. Uh, okay, so currently the score is two dead Russians and one dead American? Yes. And the, the Russian wild card is the one left standing. And the, the Russian wild card is played by Hollywood's favorite Russian, uh, Costa Ronan. Uh, he's uh, a guy who, if if you if you've seen him, you know who he is. He looks like mm-hmm. a young Liev Schreiber. Yep, fantastic in the Americans TV show. Yeah, he's he's a really good actor. Like if they decided Mm -hmm. to make him Wolverine, I'd be all for it as long as he can do a decent American accent or -hmm. Canadian accent. How's it going there? (laughs) (laughs) How's it going there, bub? (laughs) I'm the best at what I do. (laughs) God damn it. So the American wildcard has decided that he's going to go rogue and just steal the the shuttle and go back to see his kids. Even though the one thing this movie really tries to drive home and the one thing this movie does really well, but also gives no context to is the devastation that is happening on earth because throughout the entire uh, EVA walk, the entire background is just lit up by an earth on fire. Oh, that's kind of cool. And like visually it's stunning. It's, it's amazing, but we have no context for what's happening on earth right now. And we don't know what we're looking over either because that affects who, what we're seeing as a viewer as well, which like for international audiences, I'm guessing they're being vague on purpose. Like the Russians can be cheering. America's burning. And then the Americans can be cheering like, yay, Russia's burning. But in a vacuum, no pun intended since they're in space, (laughs) it just, it's a, it's a stunning visual with no impact other than the earth is burning. See, I think that would be there would be great moments within there where you could do something with that. You could use that as the moment where you drive someone insane for this movie about distrust and like the thing. (laughs) But the first thing that happens when the guy goes on the EVA walk is he says the American leader says, don't let anyone look out the window. And no one. Everyone's like, "Okay, you got it, boss. Well, see, I think that window could be could be its own character, which, you know, you see, you know, they're, they're going through that, you know, the, the whole blue marble thing with her about seeing the edge of the world and has no effect. And then, of course, she tries it. You see the, the, the nukes start. And then a little bit later, you maybe see the world on fire kind of thing. And then a little bit later, maybe only a few little spots of light. And then towards the end of the movie where, you know, they've murdered many of each, you know, each other, they're still fighting for control of the station. And. It's just dark because what is left? Well, the problem is the movie happens over the course of like 
30. No, it, it happens over the course of like nine hours. Oh, okay. so there, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of time to be able to just like ponder the, the meaning of existence in a nuclear war. And the reason it happens over nine hours is because like the moment the nuclear, the first nuclear strike happens, there's like a power surge and mm. they start drifting off their orbit. So they oh, have to, the reason why they have to win it at any cost at this point is for their survival on the ISS, because they need someone to come and deliver supplies as well as give them fuel to push them back into orbit. And that's, mm. but the movie does not care about emphasizing that and showing that motivation beyond the initial mention of it. It never comes up again besides the fact that they're like, we need someone to come and give us a boost or give us fuel so we can push ourselves. All right. So how, what's the ending there? So the ending is the American wild card uh, cuts off the life support, which again, to the movie's <laughs> credit, there is a little bit of a like continuous thing happening where the, one of the first things that they mention is that the life support has like this low hum. And so throughout the entirety of the movie, there's like this, a, a very steady baseline that sounds like your air conditioning running or your heater running. Oh, cool. Cool. And so, and at some point in the movie, Ariana DeBose like wakes up and that baseline is completely gone. Nice. And the sound shifts a little bit. Very and cool. It, it, you, you pick it up immediately because the minute they say it, they're like, okay, someone's eventually cutting the life support. Yeah. But I, I did like that sound design choice where they, they did make sure that there is at least a hint of it throughout the space station and throughout the movie. So this is, this is by far the best part of the movie where you have one Russian, two Americans and the one American has basically gone insane. He's like, I got to get home to see my kids. I'm getting there at any cost. Oh yeah. He's buttering a sandwich with a giant carving knife. (laughs) Like It's like crocodile Dundee. We're like, that's a knife. And Ariana DeBose is like, can I have that? I would like to have some jelly on my sandwich as well. (laughs) And he's like, there's some plastic knives over there. I really like this knife. I'm not going crazy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suspicious at all. Never. And so they, they have like this, this big moment. And there's a callback to the three knock rule with the Russians where Ariana DeBose is trying to open up the jelly and she bangs it on the counter three times. And the Russian like looks back at her. And she just kind of gives him a little nod and they, they kind of confront the wild card and he's constantly just like my kids, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back to my kids, even though like, again, the movie doesn't show us, but it's implied that pretty much the entire West coast and like going down to Texas is completely demolished. Like it's just gone. Dang. But they, they don't give us any hint of what's happening because the movie's not interested in showing us regional destruction or giving us any kind of updates on that. Um, but eventually the wild card dies. And then to the surprise of me and probably most people, one Russian, one American survive in, in the spirit of the space station and they descend back to earth, (laughs) but in the most like mundane way possible where they detach from the ISS and the Russian asks Ariana DeBose's character, where are we going? And she says, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So the ending is they abandon the space station. So it's going to burn up and they just jettison to fuck it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, pretty much. And so 
the the one plot point that I, I forgot to mention is that wildcard Russian dude who is not actually wildcard Russian. Uh, it's actually the leader who is the wildcard. Um, he's working on a radiation sickness antidote cure something. Oh, cool. Well, that's cool. And so with nuclear war breaking out, the winning side getting that antidote is going to have a big leg up in recovery. So that's part of why they've been set on this mission to take the ISS by any means necessary. Uh, see, now I'm kind of curious about it. Like if there was like an additional plot in there, like, okay, so if they're working on a cure for radiation sickness and nuclear war breaks out, like did one side know about it? Is it close to being finished? Is this like a planned thing of like, once the research is done, the war can start kind of thing. Okay. Mm. But again, the movie's not interesting. And and I mean, I think, I think it's fine the way it is. It's very much just an okay movie. I, I messaged Mm. the, uh, the, I have some notes guys in their discord immediately after seeing is like, this is like the quintessential. I have some notes episode movie because like, it's very average. Everything is very telegraphed. The only thing I did not see coming was the not wild card Russian guy not being the wild card. I was expecting oh, more okay. of like a change of heart from him, but it turns out like right. he just always had a heart of gold. He's just hard. Of, he doesn't fully understand English, so he's a little weird. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. But I would say this is a pass in the the talking smack, smack ratings. It's it's not a movie anyone needs to see. It's not extraordinarily engaging. It's not extraordinarily interesting. It's Aww. very much just Aww. like a. It's a movie that I think most old, most boomers would probably see on like TBS and be like, oh, okay. And they would just sit there and watch it and talk over it throughout the rest of the day and be like, that was okay. That was pretty good. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, so if I'm bored one Saturday and it happens to start, should I get off the couch and, and, and like refill my water? Should I just wait until the movie's over? To do it? It's only 92 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to take into effect that it's probably two and a half hours on TBS or whatever it ends up on. And if it's on TV, but I would say just get up and change the channel unless you're at like <laughs> the very end of the movie, but then you have no context for the three knock rule because all you're going to see is Ariana DeBose bang a, a jelly on the table three times and look at a Russian dude. And you're like, what the hell does that mean? Like, why is that anything? <laughs> well, boo. That's things. It, I mean, I, I enjoy getting out to the movies, so like I, I didn't mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I just it's very nothing. It, like I said, it's, it's very me- mediocre and it's something that if and when Scott, Liam and Greg get to this in season, the next season of I have some notes, I would very much look forward to hearing what they would do to zhuzh it up. Yeah, it. it, it it basically sounds like what it is, what you expect to release in, in January, February. It's going to come in first. Mm. I mean, it might come in first on a slow weekend, but probably second or third and end up on streaming in six, seven weeks. I mean, it, it looks good for what it is, too. Like, yeah. it's not the, the visual effects. There are some really bad spots where, like, it's very clearly like they created like one 3D model of the guy in the space suit during the EVA walk. And then they have yeah. a really impressive model of the ISS. And yeah. they spent all their money on the backdrop of the world burning. But that one dude is very, it's, it's almost like the, <laughs> the old um, stop motion for like uh wrath of the Titans from the seventies and eighties. That's awesome. Like it's got that hard line around it. It's just like, mm-hmm. uh, y- y- you could have done a little more with this, but like, you're only holding on the shot for like three or four seconds. So like, I get it. You're not going <laughs> to spend that much time and money on it. 
But something you should spend some time and money on is the No One Fifteen All Cast with our buddy Caesar. We're going to hear from Heck him, yeah. and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Netflix movie Lift. So, what's our show about? It's about some dudes talking about movies, just like this. With Goofy screaming with them. <laughs> so, so, like, so you're talking that they should have replaced it like with a Tom and Jerry scream or something like that? <laughs> or you might hear something like this. Oh just, my gosh. That whole movie waiting to see what happens with Blanca is like the most aggravating thing in that film. <laughs> but for the most part, we talk movies from the 80s, 90s, and today. And if you grace us with your ear time, you might hear one of these 30-second gems like this. Yeah, I was going to say, I did not get a chance to watch this one this week. <laughs> give it to him anyways. Let Let's him go. Go. give it to you for anyway. You ready? I'm going to no, no, give you no. the 30-second review of uh, Tron Uprising. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Start the clock. And then... So give us a shot and listen to the Noah 15 Allcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Don't forget to listen to Caesar on no one, the No One Fifteen Allcast because it's just a fun time. <laughs> Heck yeah! So I can't do my usual transition here. Speaking of a fun, speaking of a fun time, let's review Lyft. This is going to be a fun oh review. <laughs> this is going to be this. I've been looking forward to this part of the podcast. So this is a, a late addition to the ep- episode list because um, oh I think boy, I, saw, I think I saw a trailer for it on Tuesday. And I was like, Kevin Hart in a heist movie on Netflix. What could go wrong? I love a heist movie. <laughs> so I watched, I think <sighs> I watched, you watched it like that night. And then I watched mm-hmm. it the next day. I, I told my wife, I'm like, let's, 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 let's see, let's see what it is. And so we, we put it on and she's like, I can leave at any time. Right. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just going to watch this. And about 20 <laughs> minutes into it, I am discording you going, wow, wow. And then you're like, you're trying to back out, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I was, I, I was started this joking. I just wanted to see what, what where that would go. Um, but no, I after watching it, I fully understand <laughs> that that first twenty minutes is rough. They 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 mm. steal an NFT as the the heist to establish how amazing this team is, and like oh. you just right click the minute someone posts it online. You right click and you have stolen that NFT. I'm sorry. So, so fucking stupid. Why is that? And it's it's an ego. Th- I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Alex. I know you're trying yeah, to get right. to it. But like it's an ego thing because they're like, oh, we're the first people to, to, to heist an NFT. And we're going to do it by heisting the artist of the NFT, the digital artist, quote unquote. And it's so stupid. And it does not get better from there. I had a bit of hope for this film because Kevin Hart is not playing necessarily Kevin Hart. He is he's playing George trying, Clooney. Yeah, he's trying to transition into a different part of his career where he's not where he's not playing himself. You know, we go through this with all comedians. We're like the '90s. If you had Dennis Leary in your movie, what are you? You're therefore you're going to get a Dennis Leary kind of like rant. Look at uh, um, Demolition Man. He's in that movie as the leader of the underground so he can do a rant, a rant for a minute and a half. Be like, oh, yeah, it's him. Will Ferrell, when Will Ferrell started the beginning part of his career, it was the old, it was the old, okay, 
what are we going to put Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell plus NASCAR. Okay, cool. Will Ferrell plus uh, right soccer. Will Ferrell plus ice skating. And then, of course, you had you got to go the earnest route. Will Ferrell goes to jail <laughs> with Kevin Hart. <laughs> so he's transitioning to he wants to take on a little bit more media roles. And you have a good director. You have F. Gary Gray. He did The Negotiator, A Man Apart, The Italian Job, Law Abiding Citizens, Straight Out of Compton, but Fate of the Furious, and then Men in Black International, and now this. Oh, he's on a downward slope. Yeah, he is. And he loves his drone shots, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have said this before. I will say it again, and I will say it probably until the day I die, or at least until 4K is no longer the standard for high definition and we get 8K, 10K, 20K, whatever it is. 4K is hideous. 4K looks terrible. I hate it. Uh, And like when it's used on a 4K drone that's used for like sports shots, it's very obvious when you use a different camera using that drone than when you're using for filming. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a shot, they're a very cool shot where they're flying through a, a ferry on a river in Italy and it goes through the ferry and comes out on the other side and you see the boats doing the chase after they heist the NFT artist, quote unquote artist, and very cool shot. Very distracting in how different the lens looks compared to everything else they're using in this scene. And again, 4K looks hideous i don't care if anyone's like oh but you can see the pores on their nose i don't need to see the pores on their nose to make (laughs) me immersed in their story i think part of that has to do with um netflix has a few mandates for their films and one of them is you can't use film it must be shot digitally so you're losing your they're using all these super crisp high-grade cameras and they're not doing the processing to add what we expect from we expect a little bit of blur a little bit of grit in our in our in our film you can have something look beautiful and crystal clear film wise but when you have that 4k perfect look in a movie that you have when looking at a sports event it looks so weird as a film because you suddenly become it's the old uh family guy joke peter is at a play and he stands up and shouts, I'm very aware watching a play right now and storms out. And it's like Meg at like a fit at like her kindergarten <laughs> Romeo Juliet thing. It has that texture and feel to it of like, wow, this is way too crystal clear and sharp. I don't care what's happening right now. It, it loses it. And yes, the first 25 minutes of this film is they're stealing an NFT. They're proud they're stealing an NFT. And my exact note was, this premise was dated as they were filming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like uh, the cryptocurrency arena from Creed 3. Like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, you guys mm-hmm. filmed this like three years ago during the pandemic, huh? Oh. <laughs> my my first three texts to our group here, because uh, I, I figured Justin had already watched this, which he has. It's in his latest episode. I have not listened to it yet, but nope. you should listen to Justin. I'm sure he has a, an amazing rant going on with this one. <laughs> My first three texts were, Jesus Christ, they're bidding on an NFT. This heist movie went downhill real fast. <laughs> and the federal agent <laughs> the federal agent knows all art history bullshit, making them the intellectual equal to our pro- quote-unquote protagonists. So I will give a little bit of praise to the cast. 
Kevin Hart is trying to transition into a more serious role. He's not cracking jokes. He's not doing an over. You don't have an over the top moment of him, you know, uh, of him having a reaction to something where you get that big comedic jump or something like that. He's trying to play, as you said, the George Clooney straight man kind of thing. You have, uh, you have Gugu and Batha uh, who most people know from Loki. Yeah. She's Ravana. Yep. She is doing well with a part that, she's trying to do the role of um, the Pierce Brosnan film from the, uh, from the early nineties, the Thomas, Thomas Crown, Crown affair. affair. She's the Interpol agent who is, who knows him, uh, Kevin Hart's character. They have a bit of a pass. Will they, won't they fall back in Tom love again? Hanks in, uh, mm-hmm. Catch me if you can. Like exactly. all, all these great heist movies. Like you, you, you need that dynamic of the intellectual equality where like mm-hmm. they, they're on the same plane. It's just a matter of time before the, law catches up to the bad guy like something's gonna happen when exactly. the bad guy gets caught and yeah. how they get caught is the dumbest bullshit oh my god they sold the nft and then they paid back the bid and they got caught because they didn't have the money beforehand yeah so it's they, weird. there's like a weird loophole in high end bidding where if you don't have the funds to cover when you place the bid it's fraud yeah, which makes sense because you can't like bid on something and be like, I'll pay you back next week when I sell this thing for a profit. So she pulls Kevin Hart's team in for one mission to stop like this drug. I, I don't even know. It's something about gold, vague Golden weapons, bullshit, yeah. drugs, weapons. They're going to they're going to fund ISIS and then the next great terrorist attack. Yeah. You have a uh, Sam Worthington as um, Abby, the Interpol agent's boss, which basically is a thankless. Here's a paycheck job act like a racist. And he eventually acts like a racist. Yep. Yeah. Great. <laughs> you have Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't understand. You have Kingpin in this role. And it's this weird role where I, I want to ask him one day, what drew you to this role? Because his role as the, the Netflix money. Yeah. Well, yes, but the, his, role in the heist crew is he likes to put on personas that are really bad so bad everyone knows it's a persona with like really horrible makeup and he just seems to show up (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's his role he doesn't save the day anywhere he doesn't like punch somebody out he literally for the last two-thirds of the movie is on a plane He's 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 the he's the boomer who needs the air tank because he spent too much time smoking in his youth. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, of course, the pilot, uh, uh, Ursula Corbero, who I don't think I've seen her in anything that um, I can who, really who played the wild card in, in the, the team like uh, Billy Mags. Uh, yeah, he he was the highlight for me. Like he. Yeah, they they didn't characterize him consistently, I don't think. But he's clearly mm-hmm. supposed to be like the wild card persona, but he just doesn't go into that insane section enough. Mm-hmm. I think they they didn't want him going too far beyond like maybe mid range what everyone expects from Kevin Hart. So if he went yeah. beyond that into more bombastic, it's like okay, dude, you this is not what we're going for with this movie. We need you to reel it in. So they they just kind of it seems like they cut around a lot of that stuff because like part of the fun in the wild card in these heist movies is that they always create the havoc in certain Mm -hmm. moments where like that wasn't part of the plan. Like I know, but it was fun. 
Yeah. And this guy, he, he gives off those vibes, but he always stays within the plan, too. So it's like he's a very boring wild card. And then you have Kim Yoon Yi, the hacker of the group, and you have uh, Vivek um, Kalra as, as the engineer. And so that's the entire crew, which they don't spend a whole lot of time other than when it comes to hack, you have to hack. The pilot has to pilot kind of thing. But I will say the two parts that I actually enjoyed seeing was Jean Renault showing up. The man is 75. And boy, does he look at... <laughs> Oh, he does, but he's also looked 75 since, you know, Godzilla <laughs> true shows up to be an asshole. That guy and bless him <laughs> along with uh burn Gorman who shows up to be the asshole, bad guys, torturer killer. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the, he's the wish.com Mads Mickelson. <laughs> yeah. And so the majority of the middle half of the, of the movie is, they're trying to basically pull a heist in the air. They're going to rob gold bars from a moving passenger jet as it flies over the English channel. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Wasn't it the Swiss Alps or something like that? Yeah, but they're going from UK to across the English channel to the Alps, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because they're over the water for a long time because you have to have the um, their connection and not inter not Interpol and the um, the air, air agency. Traffic. Yeah, the air traffic controller. Yeah, because apparently there's like a gap between like where the English uh, where the English side takes over and then the European side takes over or something. It sounds exciting. Josh. It, it makes in the movie. It makes sense. They, they explain it pretty well. The problem I have with most of this movie is that it's a heist movie that forgot how to do a heist movie because mm -hmm. like, yeah, obviously we want to know how they steal the thing that they're supposed to steal. But part of the fun of a heist movie is how they overcome their obstacles. Yep. And in this movie, everything is just solved on the spot. Like they, they have an issue where they need to use a laser to interfere with an infrared or something. I don't know. Uh, but they're like, oh, but the, the plane, the turbulence from the plane causes the laser to move too much. And they're like, get a stabilizer. Brilliant. Hey, uh, I can't I can't hack this thing at 20,000 feet while flying a plane. What do I do? Uh, what about the hand job maneuver? The hand job maneuver. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's huh. they, they bring up like five of them in succession and all of them are solved on the spot. They don't have to go do an extra heist to get the thing to solve the problem like they do in like oceans 11. Yeah. So one of the things is they need a, they decide to do it in the air because that's the best way that they know how to do it. Uh, they're going to divert the plane so they can land on a runway where they can really quickly offload it. They need a, that plane's transponder signal to be on a different plane. So they need a second plane. So they blackmail a person into a NASA who apparently bought a NASA prototype airplane Let's say, okay, cool. That's fine. But then they bring up the obvious, obvious issue. Well, that plane has a transponder. The other plane has a transponder. So what do we do? We can't have them get too close together. The air traffic control will, you know, will obviously panic out of nowhere. This crew that supposedly has like no money at the moment because their funds are like tied up with Interpol decides the best way to do it is to give the plane stealth technology by screwing plates all over the plane. <laughs> yep. The, just. <laughs> dark steel plates that totally would not throw off the weight or the alignment of the plane at all. 
and it looks like they're like three inches thick. They're huge. Yeah, it's but like that's that's <laughs> fine. We're 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 applying like Fast and the Furious logic to this movie. Like, yeah. okay, they they've considered it, they figured it out, they've recalibrated. It's fine. It it it's all there. It's all good. They we're just here for the heist. We're trying to figure it out. But the the movie does not care about the fucking heist. It cares more about Google and Batha Ra pretending to have sex in the bathroom of a plane with Kevin Hart. Okay, that is the only part where I started chuckling and my wife was giggling. Oh, I knew <laughs> you you knew that was coming. They're oh, yeah, setting up but... all this romantic tension between them and they're on a plane. Like, yeah, they're they're going into the bathroom together. Yeah. They have to go in the bathroom bathroom because she has to put together the device to work on the transponder, but then some mild turbulence, she drops it. He has to come because he apparently, if she's in there for more than 25 seconds, knows to go knocking on the door. And so, yeah. And then, of course, somebody else has to go and come on knocking the door. So what are they pretending to do? Yes, they do the mile high joke. But I actually kind of enjoyed that because she starts doing that and looking at him like, are you going to join in? And versus the more comedic thing of like immediately like, oh, yes, I would immediately join it. He's actually reluctant about it. He's like, OK, I guess I'll start making these sounds. That was actually amusing. I can see and there that. was a little, yeah, there was a little bit of cleverness to it. There, there's a hesitation to it because they, yeah, there's history between Kevin Hart and Gugu and about the Ra's character where they met up like the year prior and they both lied about who they were because she's an Interpol agent and he's a thief. And so obviously you're not going to highlight that information to a tryst. And so they, they got mad once they found out that each other kind of lied to them and, Kevin Hart's character plays it off very suave. He's like, oh, hey, it was a week, you know, it was a pretty fun week. How about another week? And she's just like, no, it wasn't even a full week. It was five days. I'm I'm a professional. <laughs> it was a business week, <laughs> which yeah, I, I thought kinda... that, that that was good writing. I, I, yeah. I will give cre- credit to that. But like everything else in this movie is just so cliche. At one point, I went there nine for nine in cliches. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for the inevitable betrayal leaning towards Sam Worthington's character, which to the movie's credit, they did not do a betrayal other than the fact that like there is a moral betrayal of Sam Worthington's character who is willing to let Gugu and Batha Ra's character die Mm -hmm. to prevent Jean Reno from getting the gold to do terrorists. There wasn't really ever a twist I was expecting, not expecting to happen other than the really big twist at the end, but that I consider that more of a cheat than a twist. So during the course of having to hijack the plane, the bad guys are riding on the plane. They bad guys end up capturing them, hijacking their plane to move the bars onto their plane. And it's just, I didn't even find that the sequence fun, you know, because what do they have to do in order to get free on their own plane? The pilot, because apparently the bad guys do not have a pilot, which it, she starts making the plane do barreled runs and twists and flipping and stuff because she's now trying to shake off the stealth tech so that the uh so that the air traffic control can see their plane so that they can then get the swiss guard involved with their vtols <laughs> to, to come and chase them down to shoot them down but not to shoot them down because of course there's an interpol agent on board and well, they they only get saved because they're civilians like Interpol. Yes, is it, but they, right. they say there's civilians on board through a giant LED screen on the bottom of the plane. Yes, because it's a NASA party plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a tech bro. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they 
they you they end up crashing basically at Jean Renault's place, which that anybody survived that was stunning. But of course, you know, Fast and the Furious Looney Tunes logic. I do love that when they crashed and that literally the plane slides down this big giant mansion runway up to him because he's standing outside. Of course, well, he's seventy five years old. He can't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> my wife goes. My wife went. Come on, do it, do it, do it. And I, and I kind of was like, do what? And of course, the plane bottom like falls apart. All the gold tumbles out, and she went exactly <laughs> <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> Because my wife knows bad movie logic and bad movie logic means the gold bars will be right there because of course they will be because he needs to have confirmation. Yes, I have the money to pay you, of course, for the weapon terrorist stuff. So you can do terrorism. Exactly. Vague terrorism from a white person because we don't want to offend anyone, which I mean, that's probably the biggest positive for this movie is it's very inoffensive. Yeah. And of course you have the Thomas crown affair ending of the Interpol agent wanting to run off with the crew. And this is the part that I think is, is such a cheat at the very end of the movie. It turns out it was a heist within a heist because those gold bars, which, you know, you capture the bad guy, get all the gold bars are not actually gold bars. They're lead painted gold because they heisted the gold bars between the heist yeah, he kicked the he just kicked the gold bars off the side of the plane at one point while he was having trouble with uh, pressurizing the the area right. with the gold bars. You know, super yeah. simple. If yeah. there had if there had been a logical gap in that moment, mm-hmm. like again, the the standard is Ocean's Eleven for modern heist movies. If mm-hmm. there's a gap where like you have the the video footage and you you see there's little visual hints more power to you because you're covering your bases the only like the only flaw in the the storytelling with oceans 11 is that if you see the full screen version brad pitt's food plate changes uh, between <laughs> shots and when they're doing part of their narration but in this scene or in this movie they just they just pull off the, the quick cheat like alex is saying it, it's nothing interesting it's something that's completely predictable and again, this this is where they broke my suspension of disbelief for this movie or like my goodwill for the movie, because gold bars are practically useless unless you claim them with a bank. Yeah. So these serial numbered gold bars that belong to Jean Reno, even though he's dead now and like Interpol knows these gold bars exist and had them in their custody or they had know about them enough that they could probably pull the serial numbers from them. If one of those gold bars comes up, they're done. So they just yeah. have a, a really heavy brick. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically the end of the movie. But the reason why I consider that a cheat is like you said, for heist films, Ocean's 11, even the, the you know, F Gary, uh, Gary Gray's Italian job. Super fun, fun movie. For me, it's the Pierce Bros and Thomas Crown Affair. But mind you, that's not so much a heist movie as an anti-heist movie. It's an amazing movie, amazing soundtrack. Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan have amazing chemistry together. And that movie is so well done. You really can't find flaws in the actual heist plan. You just reminded me of, there's also this whole moment of like catharsis in the movie mm-hmm. where Gugu and Bathos are, Gugu and Batha Ra's character uh, tells a story about how 
her her school growing up that was also like her mother was like the headmistress of the school had yeah. a Hockney painting and it got stolen one day. And that's like why she became an Interpol agent was because she didn't want anyone else to lose beautiful art because yeah. someone was being greedy. And Kevin Hart, when they're doing their whole wrap up and going to find the gold as a way to like schmooze her before he reveals that they stole the gold is that he bought the painting back. Yeah. Found the guy who stole it. He sold it to someone else and Kevin Hart bought it back. That's not catharsis for this moment. No, her whole journey is about justice for Mm -hmm. people who steal this shit. And what's, what's the lesson here? Steal it, get rich. Someone else is going to get rich after you sold it to them. (laughs) The moral of the lesson is money buys happiness. (laughs) (laughs) The back to the future message. (laughs) (laughs) That left a bad taste in my mouth because if anything, you set up a sequel or you set up like an in-between adventure that you can just be like, Oh, they're going to go get it. Yeah. They're going to go steal it from this bastard. That's going to be her first heist. Cool. I'm in, I'm, I'm on board for that. Not he sold it for millions of dollars. I bought it from someone who bought it from someone who stole it from you for millions of dollars. Happy ending. They don't do a setup for a sequel necessarily. Which is fine. They're not getting one. <laughs> I, I would like something because I mean, you, you know, Ocean's Eleven, they 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 rip off the, the the casino. I'll only allow a Lyft sequel if they get the Rock in for the sequel, and he has to impersonate <laughs> his character has to impersonate the Rock in a big <laughs> press conference. May I'll, I'll accept Ryan Reynolds as a substitute. Brian Reynolds. Being Ryan Reynolds pretending to be Deadpool <laughs> because they're going to heist the movie studio. Wasn't that their Emmy acceptance? <laughs> yeah, just, there's nothing about it that was that was necessarily exciting. It was, as you would say with, with ISS, it was there. It was a movie. <laughs> that was. I think this one was like an hour and forty five minutes, maybe two hours. Yeah. Like yeah, okay, that was 120 minutes of my day. Mm-hmm. And it like. It's it's not for us. It's for the crowd that is either going to talk over this movie the entire time and just be like, that was fun. Or it's for the yeah. crowd that's going to just turn their brain off and not deal with the things we deal with on a it, weekly basis. Yeah, it's literally the what's new on Netflix click. Okay. I mean, I would rather watch Red Notice before I watch this again, though, like Red Notice, I think is like one of the most generic action movies ever made. And yet it's like the number one thing, supposedly the number one thing Netflix ever made. I know we talk more about the bad movies with Netflix and I'm just like, have they produced a good movie? And off the mm-hmm. top of my head, I, I could not figure one out because like all quiet on the Western front. Yeah. Netflix put up money for, I think, distribution, but they didn't film it. That wasn't commissioned by them. Um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, same thing. That was a Coen Brothers production that Netflix just got distribution for. Beasts of No Nation. Again, I don't think that that is a Netflix production. I think that is a studio production that Netflix bought the rights to. The Five Bloods. Uh, and I'm going off a list here from Entertainment Weekly where they are listing the 25 best Netflix original movies. Uh, Dolomite is my name. That was good. Don't look up. 
which Those again, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure they just bought the rights to glass onion. That isn't technically a Netflix production. I'll give them credit for that one, but that's more of a Ryan Johnson made movie that they're just like, yeah, here's money. Please, please bring us good reviews. <laughs> uh, the harder they fall. That is a Netflix original. I do remember that one. I like that one a lot, actually. Uh, I, I've, I watched that one um, when I was touring around the country last year and I was mm. really engrossed in that one. It it does feature a since canceled for good reason. Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King. Oh, I vaguely remember watching this. It, yeah. I, uh, uh, Kyler, uh, RJ Kyler is in there too. And like spoilers, when his character gets his comeuppance, I was crushed because he was my favorite character in that movie. He he had the he had charisma out the wazoo in that one. The Irishman is one I've not watched, but I believe that is also a Netflix production. Mm-hmm. I think that that came out of the pandemic, though, where Scorsese just wanted to make a movie. But a lot of these movies I've not even heard of. Like I. This movie, The King with Timothy Chalamet from 2019. Mm. Ha- hadn't heard of it. The Lost Daughter from 2021. Haven't heard of it. I have heard of Mank. I remember that getting nominated. It was good. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I remember hearing about that one. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Marriage Story. It's like the greatest meme out of the 21st century. <laughs> uh, Mudbound. I haven't heard of Okja. Ok- Okja. Um, it's a Bong no Joon-ho idea. movie. Power of the Dog, which uh, that's relatively new, if I remember. Private Life from 2018. Again, never heard of it. Like They, they advertise their star power ones. Tick, tick, boom. I haven't watched that one yet. I've heard okay things about it, but a lot of these Netflix originals, I can't say I give them credit for a lot of them because it, it seems more like they're buying the product than they are producing the product. And then when the, when you get to the point where they produce those products, like Red Notice, The Gray Man, I think was Bird Box a Netflix production? Yep. So like Bird Box is, is a rare exception to Netflix producing good original content. Like, or bad original content it, in terms of movies, like their TV shows, I think for the most part have been mostly hit. Mm-hmm. If not very good. I, I wouldn't say they're all must-sees, but like I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that everyone should watch Voltron legendary defender, which is a Netflix. <laughs> original. Heck yeah. I, I've said this in our 2024 preview. I'm, I'm very ambivalent towards avatar. The last airbender. I don't think it's needed. But after having seen that trailer, I am a little more excited about it because seeing how they're translating some things like my my boy, hey, by uh, the panda monster, like, oh, my <laughs> God, he looks amazing. But I just I don't know. Lift is a pass for me. Uh, it, all this. Oh, to say, lift lift is, is a pass. A big pass. Um, unless you want to get drunk and just like do shots for heist movie cliches. I think that's that's perfectly acceptable in this scenario. But for the most part. I would say don't waste your time. Watch Thomas no. Crown Affair. Watch Ocean's Eleven. Watch any other heist movie. Uh, Ant-Man, even. Like, better heist movie. And they, yep. they don't even do, like, of all the cliches in this movie, they don't do the narration of the heist. And that's the best mm-hmm. part. Where they're doing, they're laying out the plan while they're actually doing the heist. That's, like, the best part. Because you get invested in what's happening and you forget about the heist within the heist and the twist that they're, they're going to pull at one point. And you have to have the heist sequence. You have to have the, the, the music, the tension, the flow of, dun, 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 you know, which 
to go back to my love of Thomas Crown Affair, uh, the song Sinner Man being played as the anti-heist happens at the end of the film. Oh, it's so good. The way the movement, the, the police are on him, the uh, the the way that everything is just flowing, the, the camera direction, you you never feel lost and you have that amazing just, hmm. Oh, it's such a good song. <laughs> I hope you have fun being up till midnight watching the Thomas Crown Affair just to wash the taste of lift out of your mouth after a week. I mean, Nina Simone, that's like a nine minute song and it is beautiful. <laughs> She's remixing our theme music, by the way. <laughs> okay. Well, glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> so we actually got a little engagement this week, and I needed to bring it up real quick because, it, one, it's it's awesome. People felt the need to reach out to us. And two, one of them was a very lovely comment. So uh, I just wanted to just shout it out. So we'll shout out the, the comment first here. Uh, Dan from... Uh, watching stuff game on Wisconsin. Uh, he tweeted at us earlier saying, got to give props to the guys at talking smack pod for their recommendation of the Ted show on Peacock, not a sponsor, but could be, <laughs> I had written it off, but their review changed my mind and I wasn't disappointed. Cheers guys. So Dan, thanks so much for obviously listening and, uh, thanks for shouting us out, uh, using your platform to, to kind of give us a little watching stuff and game on Wisconsin boost. Heck yeah. And then I got uh, an email from Raphael from the Geeky Dad podcast and the Multiverse Kids show. And Alex, you're going to be very interested in this one. But first, well, no, I, it, I have to read the, the email first because <laughs> it, I, I can't get into the other part without getting into this. So Raph reached out to me after listening to our Godzilla review or Monarch review. He says, Josh, I got to correct you in the latest episode. They didn't go to the hollow earth. They were in a place between worlds called Axis Mundi. And I, I said, oh, really? They didn't, it, they're not the same thing. And he said, apparently not. Uh, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day, and it's basically a place between the hollow earth and the surface world. Convoluted as hell, though, which he's not wrong. And then he linked me to a Screen Rant article, which, Raph, I'm, I'm sorry, but don't send me Screen Rant shit. <laughs> I, I have to call out this bullshit right here because, um, screen rant like within hours of the monster version or the monarch finale posting uh had this whole thing what axis mundi means new MonsterVerse world and hollow earth connected universe explained the first part of that headline is literal what axis mundi means so we get the, oh the my we get God. the typical clickbait bullshit of like the MonsterVerse monarch Mon- legacy of monsters is the first season of apple tv plus blah 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 two paragraphs of them just basically saying what monarch is then there's a second part that says monarch's place in the monsterverse timeline explained that's not the goddamn headline mo- screen rant get to the fucking point that goes for two he- two paragraphs <laughs> the third part the meaning of axis monday explained literally axis at oh some point in God. here they say axis monday is a phrase with latin origins in geographical sense it refers to the planet's axis of rotation and it goes on for another full paragraph nobody fucking cares <laughs> screen rant <laughs> nobody cares about the latin origins of this if they did they would look it up themselves if you think that people are going to go in there and read this and be like, oh, that's a fun little bit of information. No, it's not. 
It's <laughs> the most useless information that I now have in my brain. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, we get to the point of the article, which again, <sighs> to the to the article's credit, it says Axis Mundi explained, which the point is that it's a Latin phrase. So they're not lying, but it's bullshit. Access Monday, the fourth part of this and the final part of this that goes for three paragraphs. Access Monday is a bridge to the hollow earth. So this is like, <laughs> this is bullshit level nerd stuff where they named something different. Therefore, it is not the same as the thing that people assume it is. Mm-hmm, so Access okay. Monday is a world between worlds. It is not the hollow earth but it's bullshit. And to Raphael's point, it is convoluted as hell that the show spends so much time saying Bill Randa and Keiko are trying to find a way to the hollow earth. And then the show takes us somewhere that we assume is the hollow earth. And then Keiko (laughs) just comes out and says, I call this place Axis Mundi. I'm not going to say it's not the hollow earth because that would be too obvious and it would explain away too much and fix plot holes. I'm just going to say, I call this place Axis Mundi. That's like me walking up to someone's dog and being like, I'm going to call you Bill. And they, they say, no, his name is Arf. No, his name's Bill because he looks like, a Oh villain. my God. Oh my God. I, I'm trying to find out. Is there anywhere where they actually call it Axis Mundi? Yeah. I mean, Keiko says, I call this place Axis Mundi. And that's like the only time. Okay, so that, that's it. That's it. That, that is okay. It. Okay. Okay. So because okay. Keiko gives it a name, therefore it is not the Hollow okay. Earth. Okay. All right. Okay. Which again, convoluted and stupid as hell, but it, it, it's, I, I can accept it. I think the writers of the show needed to be more forthright with the fact that this was not the Hollow Earth and not just being like, well, Keiko said it's not Keiko said it's Axis Mundi. She didn't say it's the hollow earth. Okay. So Raf, thank you so much for the email and the correction. I will happily be wrong because that fixes the time dilation issue because that's the whole point of this article as well as that Axis Mundi is a place between the earth and the hollow earth, which is why time works differently. But the show never bothers to tell us that Axis Mundi is different from the Hollow Earth. And that is what's making me a little more upset right now is the fact that, like, Mm -hmm. I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong because I missed something in the show. I'm wrong because the show missed telling me something. And I'm just supposed Hmm. to infer that because a name drop happened that it's not the Hollow Earth. (laughs) Like, no, that's bullshit. (laughs) I am sorry, but no. So we welcome all emails. Please email us so we can yell at you. So I can get mad at the thing that you emailed me about. I'm not mad at you. The, 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 Raph, you're a dad. You understand. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the situation that has been created by me saying something that came out of my mouth. I hope the God season two confirms Axis Mundi is all over. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. And it would just... It would make screen rant even worse for what it is. <laughs> so yeah, that's Raf and Dan. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for these emails, Dan. Thank you for the kind words, Raf. Thank you for the correction, but don't send me screen rant bullshit. I'm sorry. I can't, 
I can't go. I, I was really tempted to not click it, but because it's you, Raph, I did. And I regret it. <laughs> okay, so that reminds me, Josh, sometime we should ha- interview my friend. Is your friend in the room with you right now? No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> but he used to have a side gig writing for Screen Rant and quit because of how toxic it was. Oh, I, I believe it. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure like yeah. 85% of all Screen Rant articles are now AI generated because ev- oh, every sure. clickbait article is the fucking same. It's listing yeah. every actor and like every notable movie they've been in so that it grabs the mm-hmm. SEO and you, you spend like four paragraphs just parsing down the gist of the show and the actors in it. And then you have like one little blurb of like, and that's why Walt Disney was a racist and his head is not frozen. It's the recipe. I'd, it's the recipe SEO start with, you know, listing that, you know, what it is about the uh, start with listing that we're going to build a cake today. It's going to be a cheesecake. The first time I had cheesecake, let me tell you about it. And now this cheesecake led to this, led to this, led to this, the origin of this, how it entered my life, blah, 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 the blah. The first cheesecake was made. <laughs> exactly. Now you're going to start with four, uh, four ounces of, uh, no, four bars of cream cheese. Oh, okay. There we go. There's the recipe. <laughs> but that was the original recipe. But if you're gluten free, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 some of these just go on and on. And I, I don't know how yeah. some people can read that. I, I just, I know that the headlines get, are grabby, but oh my God, clickbait just destroys <laughs> my brain because I, I went to school originally for journalism. And so I learned from the mm-hmm. inverted period, inverted, inverted period, inverted pyramid, where you have the most pertinent information first. You, you want to let your reader know the most important facts first. And then you just build towards like less important stuff. And you'd finally just be like, and I'm done. We're done talking now. Information exchange over. And now it's just the exact opposite. It's, it's not even a pyramid yeah. because the idea is the, the, the bulk of the information is on top with the inverted pyramid, but now it's just like a fat blob of nonsense and like <laughs> a blurb of the information you want. And it's usually not that interesting. Yep. So with that, <laughs> Scar Wars over about clickbait. Let's let's get out of here, Alex. We're going to start wrapping up here. Yeah. You want to let everyone know about our Discord? Our Discord is fantastic. If you want us to, if you want to call us wrong and provide screen rant or uh, links, you can do so. Please in our don't Discord. provide screen rant and, links. <laughs> and we will fight back in text form instead of a week later on in audio. Well, See, part of what makes Screen Rant and like clickbait awful is that they do get my curiosity. I'm like, how bad is this? Where does it go? What, how, how far into this does it take to get to the information I want? And so I, I usually will like go in incognito window and try to block the cookies and stuff that get it. But I hate it. It, it kills me every time. You can follow us on our socials at dsmackpod.gmail.com. I, I got that wrong. You, you can follow our socials <laughs> at T Smack Pod at, at T Talking Smack Pod on all social media platforms. Uh, we're on Blue Sky, Instagrams, Threads, Hive Social, Post News, fa- Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Lonnie's website. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Leo Allen. Thank for you to Beppo news. for our original avatars. And <laughs> Thank you to Leo Allen for her music. 
Yep, Alex. Retro L Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Leave those sweet, beautiful reviews. We still have not gotten any new ones in like a year. So uh, we need a new one. Someone be brave enough to leave us a good review and we'll read it on air. Uh, but Alex. And yell at you for doing so. Alex, thank you so much for being here again this week and surviving through Lyft. Thank you, everyone, for listening and take care. Uh, and watch Star Trek. But don't click clickbait. <laughs>